there! Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. I gestured so you could join me. No, you I look find, blankly you know, at me. No, I find your gestures troubling, Liza. <laughs> <laughs> I find your gestures ambiguous, to say the least, not darling. A, not Italian enough or no. too Italian? Hey, let's not get racist here. I'm Italian. Yeah. Are you really? Uh, Liotti, I mean, come on. Those are definitely not Italian That's not hand gestures. racist. They're, they, they're known for their gestures. <laughs> are, are they? Yep, sure, yeah. It's its own language. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Hey, everyone. I thought I'd, they were known for their pasta dishes. We are. This is Liza, and I am getting on a plane tomorrow. Woo-woo. I know. I'm going to Emma Land. Yeah. Where they all talk funny like you're gonna, Emma. You're gonna go to the, the go, Emma Museum? Go blimey land. Exactly. And I'm going to go to Birmingham. Oh, God. You might not make it out, darling. <laughs> if you call it that one more time, you might not make it out. You're going, you're going to Broome. That's where I'm going. <coughs> you're going to Broome. One thing I've learned is British people don't like to use all the consonants. Like, just take one or two letters out of the word and toss it aside. That's just, how you... I'm going to stop you there, Liza. Yeah. You, as an American, are giving me instructions on how to speak. How to be a little more British. You've, you've, <laughs> you've become American. You're an American, Emma. Dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to who is here with me. Sorry. Running the board tonight. <laughs> I'm actually and drinking German beer. Not, it's not making my fault. sounds <laughs> inappropriately. Well, I can make sounds if you'd like. Is uh, Stumpy John. And I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Apparently so. I do. See them all standing in a row. We were discussing. No. <laughs> in context. Migrate? No, in context. <laughs> this was a song that John's mom used, used to, to sing, sing to me yep. when he was a tiny child, yes. if he ever was a tiny child, which I find very hard to I was believe. a preemie. I came out kind of small. Oh, okay. Very good. I made up for it, though. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, but no, and I mean, so in context, I mean, you know, it's, I got Mummy Liotti singing sure to little Johnny. There, she'd be very happy. So, John, oh, you, sure you put the lime in the coconut, and then what? You put the lime drink in the coconut. Drink them both up. Butter, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> on the classy girl couch, not being very classy yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have my moments. Is Miss Emma? Hello, sweeties. I'm absolutely oh, thrilled to be because you're you drinking too. the hard stuff. No, I am. I'm drinking German beer. It always has an effect on me. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about my beer consumption later. Oh, Uh-oh. within the, within the scope of an email, I feel. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, joining us for the first time, and I'm hoping he's classing classing the joint. Oh, up. so far he's we'll doing see. great. Yeah, he was the first one here. He was here this morning before me, trying to get in points, the garage, no doubt, <laughs> and has managed to stick it out all all day, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what, John? I'm gonna let you introduce him. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, one of my favorite young men in the world, my nephew Cooper. Hey, how's it going, y'all? So, um, Cooper, you, so John is your uncle. Is that via mom, dad, his... It's actually via my son. What? <laughs> yeah, this is John's other he's, son he's in my, quotes. My play, my play nephew. So he's your play nephew. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I suspect you were probably quite close to his son when you were growing up, and John kind of... 
They, yeah, we, yeah, we still are. Yeah. yeah, they're yeah. still close. They played football together. Too. Right. So you're one of the parents that mm-hmm. sort of. That's where we got yeah. him. And he spent lots of time in my house. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, most holidays actually. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Okay. And and I bet you, if only Bagel had grown up with them, he would have been hanging out at John's house too. Wouldn't bagel. you have Bagel? Quite possibly, yes. There you go. Bagel, bagel you're your always welcome. Son. But um, <laughs> we're going to be talking with Cooper a little later on in the show, and you know we we can spend as much time with this as we have available. Because it sounds to me very much like Cooper is just dipping his toe into the motorcycle industry. Aren't you? Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Well, and well. we can talk about that. And a couple of weeks ago, Cooper tipped his toe off the edge of the road. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yep. So we we will be having a crash report. We might as well do that now. <laughs> yeah! yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, you haven't introduced Bagley yet. I just did. Oh, you did? Okay. John's other other yeah. son. Yeah, all right. It's like the <laughs> other white meat. So, yeah, like, we always like to start off on a on a high note. So let's do a crash report from Cooper. Yeah, because you were here at the garage a couple of weeks ago, and then yep. John, I think we are getting ready to go into the podcast, and he's like, uh-oh, I got a message, Cooper crash. I'm like... <laughs> Oh, well, you got to go do a podcast. Yeah. yeah. No, I made it on the podcast, technically. I got mentioned. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you got yeah. a mention. Yeah. Um, so what were you riding? Uh, a Sportster Low. Okay. Yeah. And you were riding that bike today, and it doesn't look all smashed up. So you're either very good at repairing it, or it wasn't a massive crash. There is a peculiarly placed speedometer. I saw that, yeah. Well, that was there before the crash. Right. That, you know. The I didn't I didn't damage much of like paint, um, but my controls and my handlebars oh, were all bent. Let's go back to what exactly happened. What caused this crash? Where were you? What happened? Uh, play I, by play. I was on Highway Nine. Uh huh. Right here. I, almost almost to Saratoga, about right. a mile away. Our nice little twisty road up through the redwoods yeah. and the mountains. Yeah, and I was trying to ride my Harley like I would ride my CBR. Oh, yeah. there you yeah. go. Yep. Yeah. And, they don't uh, like that. Yep. And mid mid turn, just saw a patch of gravel and took it. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I knew had, had to lay her down. Uh, no, I absolutely <laughs> crashed. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was all on me. Yep. <laughs> so, is this because you reacted to the gravel, or did the gravel cause the accident? Uh, no, I knew if I stood the bike up to try to you know smooth things out i would have went off the edge anyway so i just stayed in the turn and hoped for the best and once the front end gave out um you knew the bike the went end. Off. Yep. yeah bagels experience the exact so, same thing okay mm-hmm. so um there's a couple of things that i want to talk Wait, to you about how far did the bike go down a, a hill yeah uh i was down like i don't know 15 feet at, oh at the God. bottom so yeah because there i was next to the creek when uh when we were trying to oh, push wow. the bike up yeah wow yep, we got it up me and uh three strangers yeah oh okay so people who were following you or people you so uh, hang on let me let me get this straight mm-hmm. so you're 15 feet off the crown of the road yeah did you crawl back up to the road and go ah, or did people actually see the wreck um People saw me like running down the hill because I the bike went off. I stayed up on the road. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. And people saw me jogging down the hill after the bike <laughs> and pulled over. And yeah, that's funny. Okay, so um, <clears throat> let's talk about injuries and what you were wearing because I think this is quite pertinent. Mm-hmm. So, um, what were you wearing? Obviously, helmet and gloves. Yeah, helmet, gloves. Uh, I had like a Cortec flannel that was, you know, had the pads and everything. 
um, jeans and Cortec riding boots. So you had the right gear on. Yeah. Right. And I know you got some injuries, but they weren't huge, were they? Uh, no, I I have like one scratch on my palm from where the glove gave out. And the only other injuries I had were burns from the exhaust trying to push the bike up the hill. Okay. Oh, no road rash at all. No, nothing at all like that. So um, all the gear all the time, that really saved you. Um, bumps and bruises, were you kind of stiff the next day? Or? No, no, no pain, no bruises. Um, just the, like I had a burn on my forearm from... I right. could tell right when I grabbed the exhaust that that wasn't the right spot. So, um, if we go back to what caused the crash, which is inevitably mm-hmm. the gravel, do you think if you were on your CBR, it wouldn't have wadded? Or do you think it was a pretty much an unmanageable situation, no matter what you were on? Because your front end's pretty raked out on that. Yeah, I think I would have been fine on the CBR. It's not like I haven't hit you know rocks or dirt or whatever. Um, I think I was pushing a Harley a little too hard. Right. And yeah. You know, I, who's to say, even if the gravel wasn't there, that I wouldn't have lost it at some point. Right. And you know what? The thing is with Sportsters, they're interesting bikes because they're pitched these days as the entry-level Harley. And they're certainly pitched as, you know, a girl's bike. And, and they're far from it. They're actually quite tricky bikes to get the most out of. And they have, oh, excuse me, it's this beer coming back to haunt me. Um, <laughs> the very, very tall loop on the frame. Um, not much triangulation on the frame at all, which isn't uncommon these days. My biggest argument with Sportsters is they've got very, very narrow swing arm pivots. If you look at the swing arm pivot on, say, a sport bike, it's the full width of the frame. Mm-hmm. Very, very wide. You know, the swing arm axle. Is as wide as the frame. It's not like that on the sports. So does that allow for flex? What are well, we talking yeah, about? it just it. You've got this very very short swing arm pivot, which is about six inches long, which is either side of the engine. Oh, you mean bottoming swing, out? Yeah, and okay. the swing arm comes out from that, and it does make for some peculiarities with the handling. What a sports rule do is it'll promise you everything and you'll go in and in and in and down and down and then suddenly it doesn't give you any warning it just says i'm done throws you off well i want to i want to just mark this point in the conversation because i'm going to come back to it much later on another topic there we go okay all right so uh you you got some strangers to help you that's always awesome and you were good and we were talking earlier the gear worked yep yeah great yeah and were you able to ride your bike back from there, or did you have to uh, beg, steal, or borrow a ride with a pickup um, truck? I rode it back to Saratoga because I didn't have a cell service. Um, right. But the handlebars being bent, uh, pretty much, I felt like I was turning yeah. the bike left, but it would ride straight. So, You know, that's probably not the smart thing, but I've always yeah, done it. I yeah. think that's real biker shit. And, and, the, and then <laughs> yeah. I called for a pickup. <laughs> when you limp yeah. a injured bike home, I think that's cool. So you, you you basically, you limped it as far as you could until you got cell service, and then you called for a pickup truck. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a pretty smart way of doing things. Well, I'm glad you're okay, Cooper, and the bike seems to have recovered. Um, new handlebars, new risers, new levers. Uh, new handlebars, new controls, and then I had... Uh, longer forks i put in mm. not well that's going to help your handling immeasurably <laughs> isn't it, <hey? laughs> 
Nice. Well, I, I'm I'm glad you're okay, and um, yeah, but glad to have you around the garage. You got to experience that was like a, a day in the garage where you get see how many conversations are yeah. flying around going on with the different people, and that is exactly why. Right. We do the podcast. There's so many times like, oh, I wish we could like capture this moment, the conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the reason why I like doing these crash reports is we don't take any pleasure out of people wadding their bikes. And I mean, it's not funny. It's always, even if the person walks away as Cooper did, there's still lessons to be learned. Yeah. And let's take so, away and from it. There's always take away from it. And there's a couple of things here is wear your gear. Um you know, we I've seen so much footage from Taylor the Dragon. And, you know, is girls wearing camis and, you know, shorts and guys not wearing the correct gear. Yeah. And there's tales of these horrible injuries at relatively low speeds because um so wear your gear all the time. I think there's another there's a couple of other things. Don't expect your sports to handle like a CBR. It's Jim. Aloha, oh. Jim. Oh, no. um, oh, you're oh you're you're just in and just in time for a, a conversation. I'm going to start me where I want your uh, your opinion on. Um, but yeah, your your sportster is not going to handle like your CBR. I think that's quite fair. Yeah, not at all. And um, gravel gravel's always a problem, and I think it's a problem to sport bikes as well as well, Harley's. Here's a question: Where do you think that gravel came from? Uh, the inside of the mountain was like... Oh, so this yeah, is stuff like, falling down. Yeah. It's yeah. not like it was left by a construction crew or right. no, so yeah. a truck kicked it, it was, up from the side of the road. Yeah, that same, okay. that same like tan Cause, color. Because that's also important to assess, like, how did it become a dangerous situation? Right, right, right. And you could argue, well, don't ride faster than you can see. But where the hell's the fun in that? Because, <laughs> I mean, I've ridden 17 all the way to Saratoga. My God. God, it's a great road. I'm coming late to the conversation, but you mentioned sport bikes are no fun on gravel either. Yes, you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so no, we Regardless just, of non-dirt bikey things. To yes, bring gravel. you up to speed, Jim, um, Cooper is here. I know. And uh, <laughs> as you can see, and um, we did a little crash report because Cooper had a little crash on his sports. He stuff. eats gravel for breakfast. There you go. Uh -huh. I've seen it. Well, he's tough <laughs> as they come. Uh, um, well, Emma, I, I would like to... Um, Change, change the subject to something as i said you know we have a lot of conversations in the garage today yes and sometimes we we bring them back into the podcast and you had mentioned that you had been working on your jag recently yes what did you do to your jag put new plugs in it yeah and how much were, were those plugs <laughs> 200 dollars wow. wow that's a lot so it has for what eight has yeah, yeah i was gonna for say eight it has of them? 28 plugs no it has eight Iridium spark plugs. Oh, iridiums. But, yeah, but... You'll see that in the latest Marvel movies. But, I mean, basically, they're, they're 20, 20 and change each, and by the time you slap the tax on, it's like 200 bucks for a set of plugs. Best money you'll ever spend. So, so, well, no, hang on. It doesn't end there. Because each plug has a coil on the top of the plug. And, I mean, the motorcycle industry is going this way before, uh, too. So we're getting away from the individual... Oh, wires right. and we're going to coil on thing and the coil on plug is great until the bonehead who put the plugs in before you forgot to put that little smear of vaseline oh. or ky jelly on the boot of the plug and then it sticks on the plug so you pull the coil off 
and you're like, God, this one's a bit stiff, and you pull the coil off, and the coil goes pop, and it's like, oh shit! Mm. And this six-inch-long rubber boot is now stuck on top of the plug, and you're like, oh. So you're faced with, I need to get that off because I can't get the plug out without even moving it. And I don't want to damage it because I don't want to add a $200 coil on plug to the bill. So, and this applies on bikes as well because it's happened to me at the shop on bikes. So the method is you get the WD-40 and you squirt it in the middle of the boot and then you get like a long screwdriver and you just kind of work it around the plug. And you've got to be very careful not to break the porcelain. And you kind of work it around so that the WD can... Is anyone else getting turned on by this? Yeah, and it's very <laughs> it's very sexual. Well, it's like a, a and, grip. Like and a, then you get, you get the old grip. needle nose pliers. And then you just kind of masturbate it. You kind of go... Pinch your nipples a bit. Yeah, you go uh, backwards and forwards. <laughs> and then it just goes pop and comes off. And I had to do that for eight plugs. I had to do that on four. It was very disconcerting. How many miles you get out of a set of Jag plugs? I, I mean, well, I mean... Not not recommended changing, but well, yeah, the reality. I mean, fifty thousand miles or something. I've like that. driven that car thirty thousand miles, and I've never put plugs in it. Well, actually, I have a an idea because it seems like it's it'd be hard to throw something like that away. And technically, they still function, and now you just got to throw them away. I've thought of another use, another purpose for these. Oh yes. Um. And I think it's time to uh, dust off the old Moto Bandito uh, <laughs> company and and bring out a new prod- product. What do you think about the butt plug? I I think there's few uh, products that that now hold on. <laughs> that can well, do no, hold on. In the I'm century. talking <laughs> a sparking butt plug. Spark plug butt plug. Spark plug butt plug. Or butt plug, Give it a little plug. crank, juice it up, yeah, yeah. boom. And then the isn't I- that what every man wants? But it serves. <laughs> no, it serves many purposes. Because if you're at a party and you've been pounding the German beer and maybe had a little bit of Indian food, uh, and you're gaseous. You want to burn that stuff off and impress the girls at the same time. So if you put in your spark plug butt plug, mm. and mm. then you've got the little electrical saying. trigger, you, yeah. just, you can you be blowing blue flames well, across the coffee that, table. I think that does fit into the climate action plan for the planet, recycling that methane. Yeah, I feel so. Atmosphere. Yeah, well, I, like I was that. just saying, just the spark is enough to, like, I thought, you know, I thought, man, I... I don't know about all that stuff, but I hear I hear hear about the the butt stuff, and I'm like, well, that could be a thing. Maybe we should be recycling those plugs. So if you, what what better spark plug to stick up your butt, Emma, than an iridium, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. I think you have to be mindful of your compression ratios. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and your some, length some of it, stroke. <laughs> you know, some some people might want a larger plug. You never know. Well, um, Emma, please save them. We need to do some product testing and perfect this, guys. You in? Uh, John's uh, volunteering. Cooper. <laughs> uh, I'll, right. I'll be the face of this. Okay. Oh, there we go. Thank okay, you. Cooper. Oh, um, okay, bend over. Your, bend your over and take, just your, from take your trousers to, uh, off. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to bring something else up, and this is something that I'm going to say it annoyed me. Uh, a conversation I was having with my family who, I, who was in town, and it was the simplest question. I had cousins here who said, so how many bikes do you have? This is an easy 
easy thing for me to answer, right? I said, well, technically nine, but two are vintage bikes that aren't being ridden, and two are mini bikes that aren't registered for the road. So technically, I just have like five that I regularly use. And my mom chimed in and said, no, but one of them's a scooter. That doesn't count. Doesn't count. Well said, Dusty. Yeah, <laughs> Dusty. Well said, I, I, Dusty. Well, I said, well, hold on. It requires a motorcycle license, registration, and insurance, and it is freeway legal. And she goes, no, doesn't count. I, doesn't I count. agree. I, I completely agree hard, with Dusty. Hard disagree. Well, of right, course exactly. So, so, of course, I had to call Bagel. Because I'm like, you know what? How many people think the same? They don't count. And I'll be honest, I used to think they didn't count. I also used to think dirt bikes didn't count. When I'd ask, well, what kind of bikes do you have? Well, I got a, uh, this and I got a, that and I got a dirt bike. Oh, those don't count. I right? used to disagree with Rusty. I stopped that. Yeah. So I, I understand, but I we talk about scooters all the time. Cleveland Moto guys talk about scooters. So I wanted to give Bagel an opportunity to talk about some things that scooters have accomplished because they do count. They do mm-hmm. count. Babbling from the sick bed. Let's see if Emma, if you can change Emma's mind, Bagel. What are some things that scooters have accomplished? Okay. <clears throat> well, uh, there are people think scooters are, are slow, and that's why they don't count, because they can't ride them like a motorcycle. Well, <clears throat> the world's fastest Vespa mm-hmm. was ridden by a gentleman named A.D. Horrocks in the U.K., uh, which is a Vespa small frame, a vintage two-stroke Vespa. He got it up to 122 miles per hour. <laughs> on oh, average, on, of, on, average of two runs oh, there and back. Are those 10-inch wheels? Yes, those are 10-inch <laughs> wheels. It, I, I will say the, the camera was, it did seem a little shaky from the camera footage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he did it. He did 122 miles an hour verified. Wow. Uh, Wait, now, what's your top speed? That's Bagel? what I'm wondering, yeah. Well, the fastest speed I've ever gone on a scooter, I think, is, I want to say, probably about 85 miles an hour. Oh, John, what will your Bergman do? Oh, it'll do 85 all day long. It'll probably oh. Funnily enough, the fastest scooter I ever re- rode was a, was a Honda Venza hmm. 300, mm-hmm. and that thing got up to 85, like, lickety split. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah, all right. So, so they can doesn't make them out. any so, good, though. All right, 120, there, not bad. Now, I, I will say, though, that there are a lot of fast Lambrettas out there, too. Oh, yeah. Um, now, one one that I found that was not as fast as the Vespa, but broke four records on, mm-hmm. on the, uh, the attempt they did. Uh, he rode a, uh, a Lambretta with the quickest standing start mile, which he hit at 110 kilometers per hour. Uh, or I'm sorry, 110, 110 miles per hour. Okay. Uh, he hit the fastest flying mile at 107 miles per hour. Uh, he had the fastest standing quarter mile, basically a quarter mile drag race at 14 seconds. <laughs> and wow. quickest flying quarter mile at 8.5 seconds. All right, Emma. That's, that's, do, that's do, do, do you think scooters count yet? No. All right, what else you got, Bagel? These are, these are your people, Emma. I don't care. <laughs> what, what else you got, Bagel? Well, there there is another Lambretta, uh, which is highly modified uh, as a, a built. It was they called it a GP three fifty, um, and it was made, built by Performance Tuning in the UK. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Charlie 
Oh, I'll Charlie. Do... Was it Charlie? He's a it cheeky was Charlie. Mo- he's a cheeky monkey, that Charlie. <laughs> he, he is. He's a and cheeky he... Is he a cheeky monkey? I think he, he is. is. <laughs> and on a a, a, uh, a speed attempt that he did on an airstrip in the UK, he got it up to 142.6 miles per hour. Cheeky monkey. Cheeky Very... monkey. 60 yes. miles an hour on my elite just feels death defying. Yeah. Well, take that and multiply it by two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> or more. So, um, yeah. So there are some very fast scooters out there. Uh, and they don't come out of the box that way, but they can be made to go very, very quick. I see. Um, they're, in fact, and this is not necessarily a modern phenomenon either. Uh, Lambretta built a streamliner when oh. they were just starting out in 1951. Huh. And it was piloted by Romolo Ferri. It became the first scooter to break the to break two hundred kilometers per hour in a flying kilometer in nineteen fifty one. Are these all CVT? Because wouldn't that lend to no, slippage? No, manual, these, manual transmission. Are, okay, all manual sure. transmission. Got it, got it. Yep. So um, there's also a, a uh, another Vespa that I found that has uh, was built as having the world's fastest fastest acceleration on a Vespa. An Italian gentleman named La, uh, Lauro. From Falk Racing, uh, built an 80, 180cc small frame that went got up to 102 miles per hour in 200 meters. <laughs> That's fast acceleration. <laughs> I always say I can beat anyone in a drag race for 30 feet. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, could, get, they get they get out there. He could probably beat a Porsche in two, in, yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in 200 meters. <laughs> so that's that's pretty quick. Um, there's also a guy who, uh, aside from speed feats, uh, there's a gentleman, uh, I believe he's either German or Austrian. I couldn't tell which his name is Gunther Schachermeyer. <laughs> and he, this is a, a Red Bull event that he, uh, was the, uh, the writer for. He performed the longest wheelie on, uh, well, not just the longest wheelie, longest wheelie while performing a, sl- a slalom through 60 cones over a quarter mile what? course with a sealed bag over his head. Wait, what? <laughs> and and there was no was front it, wheel. Was that, and there was no, was that necessary? <laughs> apparently for Red Bull. <laughs> and there was no front wheel on the bike at all. He had to ride it, start it oh, in a wheelie position wow. and ride it. Uh, and he did this with a, a team that uh, you know was was coaching him along to tell him you know where the cones were coming, and turn left to right, and and he did it in two minutes and seventeen seconds. Bunny should bring up the subject of sealed bags because I feel <laughs> they should be compulsory, not for people who ride scooters, but for those of us that have to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it a scooter if it has one wheel, or even a motorcycle? That's a, yeah, that's a unicycle, as ridden by people in the circus. So, Emma, do they count now? Cheeky monkey. No. Oh God. Okay. Well, if if speeds of feet and and dexterity don't count, how about riding around the world? Oh. Ooh, it's worth a good story. Yeah, I have. Uh, I know a guy named Markus Andre Meyer, a German guy, yeah, who has ridden his uh, several Vespas around the world a number of times, uh, and and I, th- I believe has plans to do more riding. And in fact, he did one trip around the world in I think in eighty days on a Vespa. Oh, right. do it with a around ball the game. world in eighty days. 
Yeah, ball yeah. gag. He should add that in. Well, you, you know, Bagel, you, mm-hmm. you've tipped the balance, I will concede. <gasps> Oh, no. But I'm not happy about it. <laughs> well, you know, you can make the point that scooters can, you can do a lot of the things on a scooter that you do on a motorcycle. You can look far stupider on a scooter than but you, you can, can on all the German beer on a scooter. Oh, yeah. Come to AMA Vintage Days. We'll show you how to look stupid on a there scooter. There you go. But <laughs> and if, is it a motorcycle? And if you, have a, if, you have a, if you have a Bajaj, you can load an entire case of beer in the glove box. Yes. <laughs> well, they competed in the uh, Dakar. So they are, they yeah. are capable machines. There's oh, yeah. no doubt about yep. that. The mighty and scooter. Yeah, and and last but not least, um, I want to mention a uh, a an old friend of mine who is, has since passed, uh, named John Gerber, who is a legend in the scooter world and very big um, in baby food. I'm told. <laughs> don't don't know if there's any relation. Oh, okay, very but, good. But he he was one of the one of the gentlemen who helped me get my first Heinkel going after I found it. Uh, he was one of the people I reached out to, uh, and he helped me out with parts and advice. Uh, wonderful guy, very kind of very very mild uh, mannered, kind of very soft spoken, uh, but incredibly knowledgeable guy. Just knew everything about scooters. And back in the day, he was known for long distance scooter rides. Um, his the first long distance ride that he did was on a nineteen sixties Vespa GS one sixty, like I have in my sh- my shirt right here. Uh, he rode a continental route through eight countries. From Minnesota all the way down through Panama to South America, uh, which he, he logged 11,000 miles on that trip. And this was back, I think, in the early to mid-70s. Then he rode a Vespa SS-180, which was the successor model of the GS-160, on a hemispherical route through 21 countries from Wisconsin all the way down to Tierra del Fuego and, and back. Uh, although he didn't get to finish his journey entirely because he got hit by a car in Hayward, California. Oh, oh wow. In fact, he was planning on going to Alaska, but had to cut the ride short then and healed, healed up, thankfully. Um, and then his last long-distance ride was on a Vespa Rally 180, where he rode through 23 countries from Singapore to London Damn. and logged over 20,000 miles. Oh, and the Wandering Wasp. Yes. Yes. Stephanie Yu. No, no, her. that's the 2250 oh, superhero. You're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, Ju- Juvena. Juvena. Yes, yeah. you're right, you're right. Yeah, she, I'm sorry. she's been all over. Well, yeah. there's one thing you're leaving out. Yes, what's that? I've never been, but I've heard stories that scooter rallies are not for the faint-hearted. Some of them can be, You yes. guys know how they're, to they're, some, get your party some, some on. Are, some are spicier than others, this is for sure. Um, <laughs> well, you there, know... There um, no, I mean, it's tipped the scales back. I mean, I remain unconvinced. I mean, scooters... <laughs> oh, no. No, scooters are largely oh, just on. inventions of the devil. They really are. I mean... Yeah, what's it, a devil? It makes this? them even cooler. How about this? Oh, devil. Raise your hand if you are on your motorcycle and you wave at a scooter. Never. Never. I would rather... I, 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 I look to now. You ride a KLR. Flip-flops <laughs> I would rather have my whole body amputated See, than wait John, to scooter. his credit, no. was the only person that <laughs> no, raised their hand. I, I, so much hate. Yes. My God. No offense. <laughs> I've talked about this before. Just to avoid any humiliation, and I do the same tactic when I am riding a scooter, I do the head nod. If I'm on a bike and I see a scooter, so I do the head nod. If I'm on a scooter and I see a bike, I do the head nod. That way, if there's not a, a back and forth, it's not so obvious and no, and you've, you're not going to be so embarrassed. No, you're just acknowledging you're not waving to anybody. I'm doing the head nod. I'm acknowledging. <laughs> no. Yeah, in a condescending way. 
Yes, yeah, exactly. That's not a wave. No, it's the head up nod. Like, what up? That's, that's what not up? a wave. And I know. It's a what up. No, and I mean, the reason why scooterists do the head nod is because their death traps are so unstable. <laughs> if you take your hand off the handlebar for a millisecond, it will dash you to death the tarmac. Wobble. At any speed, any speed, any speed above walking pace, (laughs) it's an absolute death trap. I'll I'll go ahead and say, I'll go ahead and say (laughs) anything over 50 cc's counts. Well, actually, because before that, it's a moped. No, no, anything under 50 cc's doesn't require a license. Liza, I got to stop you there Here we go. because I was trying to find details about this couple and I could not find them anywhere. But there was a couple who I met at a a scooter rally, uh, which one it was, where they were traveling around the world. Italian couple, uh, guy guy and a girl, um, very, very lightweight, thin people on a Vespa, vintage Vespa 50cc. Okay, that's that's an extreme. Around That's an extreme. the world. Around know, the world. I know. I'm just saying most of them are <laughs> so, kids in flip-flops. Well, yes. <laughs> just saying. Well, 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 you know, shun the flip-flops, but but respect the 50 cc's because they can they can do it. Yeah, well, the ones we were, of Phil's we were riding, those were fun. The right? Yeah. yeah. They're all fun. None of, them, right. none of which are motorcycles, but they are fun and capable. Okay. Well, the point is, them, uh, they count. And, you know, if... What do you mean the point is they count? They, can't, they count. They don't count. They do count. That's a total Liza. The point is they count, and then I encourage anyone who's never ridden one to try it. Because they are fun and they They're awesome. That's they are. like they are fun. that is actually and like saying to your listeners, Oh, you should try and have a lobotomy. It'll be great. No, no one should ever try and ride a scooter. There's an absolute trike? death what about a trike <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> but if and I will say if you like if you like two stroke tuning, vintage scooters is a world you need to get into because there there is no shortage of modifications that you can do to vintage two stroke engines. Both Vespa and Lambretta that are absolutely wild. Like they will, they they will make you wake up more than the strongest cup of coffee you ever had. <laughs> However, if you're a complete masochist and you wake up daily with this urge to nail your own head to a coffee table, <laughs> and you really want to know about suffering, buy a scooter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Good, good topic good topic um hey i want to take a moment and to thank our new sponsor we got a new sponsor and in fact who that who likes gifts it's gonna be some sort of oh, I, lo- I love gifts it's a butt plug that side of the room our new butt plug, sponsor is ag1 pass this around because they sent us uh, a kit that everyone can take some and and try it do you guys is know it, it? personal grooming a- device a- no ag1 so I mean, Jim, you're around yes. me enough. How's my uh, my diet, my eating habits? Oh, it's stellar. I think it speaks <laughs> to your your incredible health as you go into the Foster latter part freeze. of your uh, of your. It's existence. not. It's not good. And and I, as no, I'm getting no, older, I keep thinking I need to I need to change my habits. It's and it's hard. It's hard to change your habits. But you know, uh, AG One. I've heard them. Um, on a lot of other podcasts promoting it. And it's like, I don't in the back of my head, like maybe this is that, that step I need to take towards better health. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so AG one is basically, these are, it's an, it's a, re, it's a nutritional supplement to give you the things you're not getting out of your hamburgers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we do, I, I need to have better health. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. And I want you guys all to try it too. I will say, 
that I, I, I did start drinking it and it tastes good. Jim, I gave you a sample of it. Yeah. It was like there was like some banana and some lemon. It doesn't look like it tastes. It tasted really good. I've had other similar drinks. You know, Jake used to have them when she was around the house and she would get these. You know, I you know, I think they're I think the AG one is a comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition kind of thing. So yeah. um but they're not bad. They taste okay. Well, I also have here uh they sent us a whole kit of of AG one and also I got a a liquid uh supplement. Is there anyone who wants to add some some vitamins to their to their That's a drink? suppository, Emma. You may be interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I like the sound of that. <laughs> but more so, I, this is the thing that makes it really simple for me. Um, because it's it, it's it's hard to keep up with a supplemental routine that have a bunch of different products. So I like it's just one thing. Everything you need in one packet. Mix it in some water. Drink it down. It's really good, right? It's a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. And AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. So if you're interested in in trying to improve your your diet and, and get the vitamins that you need, yeah, I'm looking at you, Emma. As much oh, as we like you. Flintstones, vitamins, um, the I'm Flintstones up, are good. I'm looking at bagel because I'm thinking bagel. If you go on a crash course of drinking this product mm-hmm. and improving your diet, doing the dietary supplement, working out, getting yourself in premium condition, you might consider buying a motorbike. <laughs> oh, st- he has. I already, has I already own motorbikes, Emma. Uh, yes. So and here's the he's other having th- some vitamin beer right now. Here's the other thing <laughs> I like right behind me. Here's the other thing I like about AG One is you can you get the big bag that right. you keep at home, or I just shared with you these are travel packs. So even if you're traveling, <coughs> you don't have to give up on you know your your good routine, and you can take the travel pack with you. In short, if you're a big bag like me and drink enough AG1, you'll turn into a little bag. So, and hey, look, we get offers for sponsorship that I've turned down because it's not a product that right. I think that I really agree with. I agree with this one. I like this one. So I'm proud that they're sponsoring us. So if you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash motorcycles. Isn't that easy? That's drinkag1.com slash motorcycles. And you can check it out. And I'll tell you what. It's made in New Zealand, and we like kiwis here. Right, Bagel? Mm, does indeed. And if yeah. you need some extra vitamin D, Emma, I got you covered. It does say if you're Appreciate pregnant. Appreciate it. <laughs> I bet you do. If you're and pregnant also, or nursing, you might want to talk to your doctor first. So okay. Is anybody pregnant or nursing here? Oh. Yes, both. Uh, not at the moment. I'm sorry, Bagel. Cooper's nursing, I think. Well, I was going to say, uh, for, <laughs> I'm lucky. No, Cooper, no, Cooper is looking a for a nurse. No, he, that's different. <laughs> but I was going to say, one of the best performance modifications that you can make to your bike is losing weight yourself. It's, oh, actually, there you, know, you go. No, and this is a so, very, very valid point. Because when you, when you own a bike long term, like I have Rufus... You notice these things, and anybody who's sort of watched pictures of the podcast, you know, characters, you'll know that I do have quite a problem with my weight on occasion. You have curves in all the right places. Well, it goes up, and it goes down, and it goes down. 
And the thing is, when I'm at my lightest, which is probably 50 pounds less than I'm at right now, fuck me, Rufus is quick. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so it really yeah. hauls ass. And you can feel it because yeah. the weight is, you know, the, the weight of a rider is high and back, which is exactly where you don't want the weight. So if yep. you lose a substantial amount of weight, and a substantial amount of weight is 10 pounds, 15 pounds, you really notice it on your bike. And that was one of the first things I noticed when I lost a ton of weight, was like, fuck me, this bike is really moving now. And it was handling better as well. And I, I've yep. realized, I've, basically, I've taken 50 pounds out of the equation. Makes yep. a difference. But also a caveat, if you lose a lot of weight, a lot of it will come off of your butt, and your butt will get more sore with the, the longer you ride. So, and and hey, and I just want to just be clear because they're very specific. AG one is not a meal replacement. <laughs> yes. Okay. I just want to be clear on that. Um, That's why it's if, a supplement. It's but, a, right, but supplement. if you're getting it's a nutritional supplement, exactly. Right. But if you're getting better nutrition from something exactly. like this or eating better, that will reduce the cravings that you have to eat junk food. Aha! There you go. I yeah. would be curious if it's good, say, for example, camping and riding post-recovery. It could be. I would be curious, like, mm. after a day riding, like, to help with cramps and right. recovery for Night the next bananas. day. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, always, I already slipped those in. My, you know? <laughs> my weakness, apart from Jim, and Jim is a very great weakness of mine, because anything <laughs> Jim says is okay with me, Usually mm. and like that's strawberry. quite dangerous, <laughs> um, is sweets. Like a lot mm. of Americans, I have this love affair with sweet things. <gasps> that reminds yep. me of past the Boston Baked Beans. Oh, God, no. What? <laughs> yeah, we got a whole case of them. Yeah, they're a gift and a lovely yeah. gift as well. And they yeah. are delicious. Well, I brought about 80,000 calories worth of donuts to the shop this morning. Yeah, I, uh, we know. We, we've been handing them out all day. Ooh. No, these were a gift from the Twats. <laughs> oh, those are great. The Boston Baked Beans. Uh -huh. Yes. Mm -hmm. I know. Um, hey, I wanted to talk next. Um, well, we're we're staying on scooters a little bit. Proper, so, are we talking about proper scooters now? <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about John's uh, scooter. Oh, proper scooters. We, we were talking about you, you were having some issues, and Emma tore it apart, put it back together, and then you had some more well, issues. Given her comments, I'm wondering if it was a sabotage dog. And uh, you so, now. John, you want to talk about what was going on? Yeah, so we... Uh, and you, you were getting a bit disheartened at this point. I was. So, excuse me, you know, Birkins, it's been a bit. It's, it's been a bit of a, of a ride. Um, no pun intended. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I went. It, it kept draining the battery. So I was trying to figure out what was hmm. going on. At least I thought it was draining the battery. Every time you go to ride it, the battery would be dead. Yeah, I try to start it and burr, and I, I'd charge it and burr again. That takes the fun out of it. Doesn't it sure it? does. Yeah. So the thing was, is I bought a um, I just bought a brand new um Uasa battery. So I'm thinking there's no way in God's earth that this brand new battery has got a problem. And uh, so finally, through Liza and Emma's insistence, I uh, I pulled the battery. I kept the old battery I pulled out, and I did a complete recondition, you know, on the battery charger thing. And uh, Wait, can I jump in? Yeah. Um, because I asked you yesterday to do some diagnostics on it. Right. Which I didn't really know what it mean, but I was going back and forth. I'm mm -hmm. telling you what to do, and then I'm calling Emma. What does this mean? And then I'm calling John. Yeah. Now do this. I guess what I does that just mean? Called Emma, but you know. I know, but <laughs> sometimes you need that emotional support when you're just kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Because you know, I have no emotional support whatsoever. <laughs> no, I always actually so, I hate to bug you. That's part of it. I know that. So I asked you to um, see if it's the charging system or yeah, not. Yeah, so I pulled out a multimeter. 
and uh, put it on it, and the battery was low, and I was able to get it started. But it only went from like twelve one to like twelve four when you revved it. Yes, and I was like, I don't, I, I don't think that that your charging system. It, I would think it'd go higher than right. that. But then I called Emma because I think I think it's a charging system. She said, "No, no." You told most certainly a bad battery. You know the way. I said, "But it's a Uasa." But yeah, and we go back to my chocolate story. So, as you know, since I've been coming on this podcast, I have been pitching the joys of Uasa, and I will never deviate from the fact they're the best of the bunch. By far. However, you know, America's its own market. And when I first came to America, which is 30 years ago now, I was desperately homesick. And the only way I could really cure it was if I found like a little British product and it'd give me a great deal of comfort. And I remember being in a department store I just turned the corner and they had, they had a British section. They had Cadbury's Fruit and Nut, which is absolutely my favorite chocolate in the whole world. And it's just a bar of milk chocolate with little, um, I think they're almonds. They, they may be cashews, but little nuts and, and raisins in. It's fantastic. So I bought this thing. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Boston baked bean went down the wrong way. Oh, no. oh yeah, yeah. Revolution. What a surprise. So I bought this thing and ate it, and it was good, but it wasn't the same. I thought, well, hang on, have my taste changed? Because I hadn't been here for very long. I looked to the back and it said, ah, made under license by the Hershey Corporation. Oh. There you go. Not the same. Not the same. So, when you look at a Uasa, not all of them, but a great many of them, made under license by the Exide Corporation. Hmm. Ooh. And Exide make a mean battery. Make no mistake. Are they la- labeled under different no. brand names? Well, I mean, no, Exide. I don't know who Exide makes uh, the batteries. Name's, the name's familiar, I know, but... You can buy Exide batteries. Okay. Um... I think for cars is what I'm thinking of. I see them for a lot. Mm. Yeah, but so some UASs are actually made by Exide. Now, whether those are the ones that fail. That said, I mean, I've had Exide batteries that have lasted forever in bikes. Where do they but I think it's like just luck of the draw. And I, my suspicion with your lovely new battery mm-hmm. is for whatever reason, whether we were testing it, we drained it to nothing. Yep. And that is a hard road back from a battery. Mm. Even a new one. If you drain a new battery down to zero, to absolute flat zero, it is a very hard road back. Um, and yeah. I stand by my offer. Bring it in next week. I'll take it. I've got a genuine Uasa made in Japan charger at work, which cost me an absolute bloody fortune. Okay, I have a multiple-level question on this. Yes. So I had to replace the battery on the Honda Africa Twin. Yes. So 2017. Well, that's something different. That's a lithium-ion battery. Yes, and there's no aftermarket for it. No, there isn't. <laughs> so I had one of you ask anyway. So $360 later. My yep. Wow. That happened to me with the Triumph. Yep. yep. And um, 
And the other thing I've noticed, because my 450 had a UAS as well, is the Surefires are probably a third of the weight than the lithium, lithium ion yes, they are. UASs. So that aside, I put it in, I drained that battery a little bit. When I think when I installed it and I was fucking around with the lights and stuff too, and I must have left the key on. There so it was sluggish to begin with, but now it starts nice. It starts fine. Does that affect the longevity of a battery? If it you, can do. So because maybe kind of. lithium ion, not so much, but lead acid, it can affect the light because there's a very finite life to a battery. It's a chemical reaction. What's basically happening is there are lead plates in the battery, and they're quite thin. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're not much thicker than a credit card. And then they have fiberglass matting that kind of keeps them separated. And then the acid forms a reaction with the lead, produces microvoltage, and then you multiply that over the course of various cells, and you get your voltage. Every, while that process is happening... There's this thing called sulfation that's going on, and it's Mm -hmm. at a microscopic level. But there's things that can really accelerate the sulfation. And a quick discharge or a quick charge or complete discharge can really accelerate the process. Mm -hmm. And all you're basically doing, like a human body, a human body, and I, I heard this is true of all mammals. And I don't know whether you've ever heard this. Every single mammal on the face of the planet has a predetermined number of heartbeats. And when you've what? reached that number, you're done. Hmm. And it's an average. Okay. But it's hmm. basically, there's a predetermined number of heartbeats. And an elephant's heart beats very, very slowly, which is why they live so long. Whereas oh. a house mouse, their heart beats incredibly quickly, brrr, which is why they only live for a year. But it's a thing about mammals. It's it's like a predetermined life. Interesting. And it's the same with batteries. Yes, darling. So, John, yes. you said that there was an incident where the battery got drained. Oh, I thought you meant about the incident where he came at home and he was wearing Mrs. Underwear and she caught him. And Does she likes that? Oh, okay. Yeah. So what... what it wasn't there, that incident then? No, not with that one. Okay. You said there was an incident where it got drained. Yeah, we, in, in all the work and we've been doing on it, it, it got drained a couple times. And I and I mean, I think that really just killed it. Yeah. So, and what's interesting is I was having similar problems with my Triumph. Put a new battery in and that was draining. But in my Triumph, I found that the charging system had burnt up and there was a burnt wire. Well, it, it's all kind of related. Mm-hmm. And... So mine just wasn't charging. I thought that was. I thought yours was odd. Like, mm-hmm. I well, think it, a modern motorcycle shouldn't do it. But well, so it, it, it. It, it isn't. It isn't. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a couple of tales of woe. Mm-hmm. And I see this over and over and over again at the shop. <coughs> so there are lessons to be learned. What I think happened to your triumph. Mm-hmm. Because it's got no miles on it. And it certainly didn't have sufficient miles to warrant the connections for the regrec to be burnt up. And the wires were already green with oxidation. Right. So this was something that had happened a while ago. Exactly. So how can this happen? So a lot of times when I get a bike in at the shop, you know, it's like crime scene investigation. It's CSI Mototown. Yep. We know the crime. So now we're going to gather the suspects, assess the evidence... 
and find out the culprit. And I think what happened with your Triumph, the original battery generally lasts a couple of years. If you get more than a couple of years out of an OEM battery, you're doing well. So let's go back. What year is your bike? 2011. So let's go back to about 2014. And it still has the original tires, right. too. So not a lot has been done. So let's go back to about 2014. It's probably the original owner still. He goes out to the garage. The bike won't start. Now, he's faced with a couple of choices. He can replace the battery. But you know what? Motorbike batteries are expensive. Or he can plug in a battery tender. Start the bike while it's still on the tender, pull the tender off, put the seat on, go out for his his ride. And I think he did that. And I think he did that for quite some time. The problem with that, the battery is actually part of the charging system. And a healthy battery that's able to both provide current, but to actually absorb current is a vital part of the charging system. And what happens is if you introduce a bad battery, because it's either old or of very poor quality, into the charging system, what happens is the alternators going gangbusters. Mm -hmm. The alternators, like your best friend, is always like, go, 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 go. The reg rec is taking all this current and is making sense of it. It's turning into DC because your alternator produces alternating current, which your bike can't use. It can only use DC. So it's changing it into DC. That's the wreck part. The reg part is it's now it's taking this DC and it's turning it into a range that isn't going to destroy your bulbs, but is going to give you sufficient to power all the components. And that range is basically from about 12 and a half volts to about 14 volts right. on a healthy bike. So that's what the reg rec does. It needs the battery to be an effective heatsink. Because it's taking a lot of current and making it not a lot of current. And what happens is if it's got a bad battery that's not able to take the current, it overheats that component. If you're really unlucky, it will destroy the component. So is what's interesting is, so I had a bad battery that then damaged the charging system, which then this was affecting the battery. Very early on and in his life. A, a battery that went bad and that's now affecting the charging system. Right. So yeah. if you have, if you suspect problems with the battery on your bike, get it replaced quickly, get it replaced with something decent and keep everything healthy. It's like, it, it's but, like the foundation of a house. But the mistake that I made is I put a new battery in. Because the last battery drained, even though it was brand new. And I was like, it's not a Yuasa. So I bought a Yuasa, put it in. But that I never true. checked the charging system. And you know, and that's you why with no John, I'm like, go check your charging system. Well, and before, you, before you're too hard on yourself, Liza, you had no reason to. No, There's but I'm no saying. miles on If that you're bike. replacing a dead battery, you should also check the charging system at the same time because they are. Well, it'd be, They're it, linked. I was going to say it becomes habitual. And if you go down to Mototown or any other responsible bike shop and say, hey, can you fit a battery onto my bike? You fit the battery. 
you bolt it all up, and then the very last thing you do, you get your voltmeter on the terminals. And rather than rev rev, the proper test for a battery, and you might not have done this because I know it's hard on the Bergman because it's got an automatic. You bring the revs up mm -hmm. and you hold it at about 3,000 RPM for maybe 30 seconds, mm. and you can just see the volts climbing. Mm. Yeah, that's what we did when he brought it to the garage. Too. So you held it, held the revs yeah, high. Yeah, you put it, I said, put it on the center stand. Bring yeah. it up and hold it. So it might be bike specific, but like uh, I get that. Do you want to see fourteen volts typically, or fourteen point two? No, I mean they, no, they vary tremendously. And that's that's where what I was thinking. I missed. So more than twelve, right? Because yeah, at least more than twelve on many of our bikes. If it's only going up to twelve five, that means your charging system isn't working. But you're saying on the scooter, that's more normal. No, and I mean, on a lot of vehicles, it's normal. As long as it's within that range of 12, 5 to 14, and it's it's a higher, it's, it's a higher amount it's moving of up, idle. Yes, down, Bagel. Right. Go, Bagel. Well, the, the, the other thing to pay, pay attention to is to make sure it's not getting too much voltage. Because if you right. get over 14, say it's putting out 18 volts, that will fry your battery and all kinds of other electrical components. Well, that'd be a bad rectifier, though, wouldn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, funnily enough, I had a Jixer in the shop this week, lovely young man, and um, he he was kind of distraught a little bit because he just bought this Jixer. He didn't pay a lot of money for it, but he said, every time I ride it, it's blowing a fuse. And I'm like, oh, that's never good. Tin foil. So, <laughs> we put the fuse in. I revved it up. It blew the fuse immediately. So I said, okay. So we put the fuse in again, and I did the volt on the battery, and it went straight up to 17.5 volts. Mm. No messing about at all. I'm like, there you go. It's a reg rec. And so we, we talked about a few options for him because, you know, he didn't have a great deal of money. Um, and he just bought a cheap battery from um, one of the auto parts stores. And I said, I tell you what. Take that back and get your money back for it, because that thing's terrible. I'll put your UASA in it, and then here's your choices. We can put a brand new, genuine Suzuki Reg Rec in it, and that, I think, was 270 bucks. I said we can put a Ricks in it, which is 130 And Ricks have come a long yeah. way. Um, well, ever since he left Morty, he's, his stuff yeah, has gotten exactly. good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then um, the other alternative, I can source a good guaranteed used one, which will be genuine for probably a similar price to Rick's. And in the end, he chose a Rick's and we put it in 14 volts. Very happy bike. So why do you go with an alternator, not a generator? Well, the alternator, it's, it's kind of, it's cause and effect. There are various tests you need to do on the alternator. Um, the, I mean, the alternator, there's no finesse to it. The faster the engine turns, the more current it pumps out. Right. And you can measure that. It's very, very easy. There's three wires coming out of your alternator. It's what's called a three-phase system. Mm -hmm. And basically, you pull the plug apart with the engine running, and you set your multi-tester to AC, alternating current, mm -hmm. and then you test each of the phases coming out of the alternator. And they should all be about the same. And they should all be at least, at least 12 volts AC. Mm -hmm. 
On the butt plug, spark plug, we want to run that on AC, right? Absolutely, because that's really going to light those farts. How how bad is that going to be for me? Um, (laughs) I'd say it's going to be quite painful, but my prediction is you will enjoy it. It's a good pain. It's it's a a nice pain. But it won't kill you like DC will. No. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, DC doesn't let go. AC lets go every microsecond. Well, you got to ground your ball sack, right? um, Oh, now you've (laughs) gone too far. It's the whole system now. Really? There's too far. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as Cooper's butt plug goes, Cooper, we are going to give you a pillow to bite. Oh, perfect. Um, So, Emma, I have a question. I have seen some batteries that have some sort of a, like a safety switch or something on them. I've seen some that have like a a safety thing that, like a sensor that will pop. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Really? I've seen, I mean, I've seen older cars that have got micro drains, but I'm wondering, and then you 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 disconnect the battery with a quick disconnect. I'm wondering why they don't like, um, for instance, on the Oxford heated grips. It comes with a smart switch to turn your heated grips on, but it'll sense if you leave the the heated grips on when the bike is turned off. If it senses a drain in the battery, it will cut the 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 grips off. And I'm wondering why there isn't more sensors and switches like that built into a battery if there's something draining it that it would shut it off oh there's there's all kinds of reasons not so much on bikes although bikes are getting this way now but there's all kinds of reasons why cars it would be very very bad to cut your battery off so if let's just we'll talk about car technology because i want to be clear motorcycle technology is going this way so cars have got got what's called an onboard diagnostic system on its OBD, and OBD two is the pretty much the the industry standard now, but it requires a memory, and the memory is what's called a drive cycle, and a drive cycle is driving your car over and over again in a certain way, and then the sensors realizing this is the normal standard of driving and switching off the monitors so that now, instead of saying not ready, they say they're ready or complete or incomplete. If you disconnect the battery, those would be set to zero every time you go out. And if you've got an intelligent fuel injection on your car, as most do, or an intelligent (coughs) transmission on your car, as most do, you're going to get in your car and it's not going to run right, it's not going to shift right, and it's... Over the course of maybe half an hour driving, it'll start learning and running better. But you don't want to do that every time. So you don't want to disconnect the battery. As far as modern bikes go, Jim, uh, has your bike got a clock? Yes. Has it got suspension settings? Uh, Not electronic. Has it got... Uh, Mode settings for the ABS and the traction Uh, control? Traction control, power settings, yes. All that requires a memory. So if you disconnect the battery... All that's lost. And so every time you get on the bike, you'd have to set the clock, set the traction control, set the ABS, set the power control. Mm -hmm. That's why I say bikes are going that way. I remember... In the old British bikes, they used to have a battery eliminator also. On yeah, the, on the you, I bikes, mean, right? you can do that. and that was. But you're dealing with technology that was essentially very, very simple. Um, mm-hmm. British bikes had a three-phase alternator, but the... One of the phases, or should I say two of the phases, were joined together. So there's only two wires coming out of it. 
Um, and then it went to a very, very simple rectifier. And then they didn't even have a regulator. They had what's called a Zener diode. Yeah. A Zener diode. Right. And um, what the Zener diode does is it shaves off any of the volts above 13 and a half. So I just pulled up. This is a lithium-ion motorcycle battery. And see, it has a restart technology. Oh, right. Okay. That's why I'm wondering why this isn't. Can you read what that what I, that I've does? So yeah. no need for jumper cables. Just pl- simply press the restart button to start your bike and drive away. Restart technology intelligently monitors the voltage and will put itself to sleep if it senses over discharge. Offers full a full onboard battery management system, including functions such as lithium cell balancing, low voltage cutoff. Over discharge, overcharge, and temperature projections, shock and vibration resistant, making them perfect for racing. Yeah, so it's built into the battery. It's integrated <coughs> into the battery. So that's why I'm surprised we don't see more of that. And that's so if you left your key on, you could come back to the bike and still start it. Yep. yep. Exactly. Or if your charging system isn't charging, it's just going to shut but it down. But hang on. If it puts itself to sleep, it's going to do exactly the same thing. It's going to forget all your power settings. It's going to forget the clock. It's going to mm. forget everything. So that's the disadvantage. Mm, okay, yes, yeah. Bagel. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, not all bikes lose their memory if the battery's disconnected, though, do they? Because I'm pretty sure that the Vespa GTS will, will retain that information. I mean, the clock will get reset. But the ECU, um, I think it has a flash memory where it will store those settings, even if the battery is disconnected. If it's got an but, internal battery, it will. That's the only way to do it. Well, no, flat, well, flash memory will, will stay stay set even if the power is off, I really? believe. Yeah, okay. it will. It but, will. But it's like a flight thumb drive. Right. And in, yeah. order to, um, in order to reset that, what you do is you disconnect both battery terminals and touch them together. Yes. And, and that will then... Reset yeah, so all that's, the based, that's based on diodes, and hmm. the diodes hmm. get charged up, and then you mm-hmm. empty the diodes by touching the terminals together. Oh, okay. And there is a certain amount of that. Um, you know, I've got this thing. Uh, I'm not going to get off into a big kick against lithium-ion batteries for motorcycles because it is going that way. Jim's was the first production bike by a Japanese mm. manufacturer to have a lithium-ion battery. And there is a reason for that. They're incredibly difficult to deal with. I had, early on, I had I had uh, the lithium-ion where you had to buy the special charger, and it's very expensive. Yeah. And to, yeah. to make it as brief as possible, and please forgive me, I, I talked about this before, so at risk of repeating myself, The advantage of a lead-acid battery, whether it is the type that you fill up from the jug and is kind of Mm. opaque and you can see the levels, or the MF type, the maintenance-free, which is the black box that we're all familiar with, but they all basically work the the same. It's the KLR of the battery world. Right. And the (laughs) advantage of that is you can discharge and charge them very quickly, and they, to a certain extent, they'll take them. We already established this does have a bearing on the life, but it's a long. If it's within certain parameters, you're you're basically fine. It's a tough battery. Lithium-ion batteries are actually quite fragile. They're perfect for things like your phone, mm-hmm. because your phone's always on. It's sitting in your pocket, um, and it's. In a constant, slow state of discharge. I, I found it didn't always have the cranking amperage I needed to get a right a bike. It had to start quick or you were going to run out of exactly. juice. Exactly. 
And... And it doesn't like a fast discharge either. It doesn't like a fast charge and it doesn't like a fast discharge. You think about your phone, which has got a lithium-ion battery. It's a very slow discharge. What do you do? You plug it in at night and you charge it overnight. It's a very slow charge. Now, you don't get that with a bike. You know, you press the start button and immediately you get this massive amount of cranking amps being pulled out by the starter. (coughs) Now the bike starts and suddenly it's boing. Yeah. It goes up and it goes through a great change in a short space of time. Meanwhile, the lithium-ion battery is having a fucking coronary. Yeah. So, so I, I'm curious, since like Liza said, bikes are going this direction. I have two bikes now with lithium-ion, the 450, the Honda 450 and the Africa Twin. And they were both designed for it. Yes, and a couple of things. One is, if you have lithium-ion bikes, should be you be more f- mindful of putting them on a battery tender? I assume so. Mm. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh. You need a proper lithium-ion battery yeah. tender. They don't, but they don't lose a charge over time like lead acid. They will hold their charge longer. Okay. But like uh, and, and they're lighter. Well, should and you be doing maintenance? Because I got two of them, or not? Just start it every now and then. N- yeah, no, start no. it every now and then. Ride it. They'll hold their charge for a yeah. long time, but they just don't like yeah. a quick discharge if you have a hard starting bike. Yeah. Okay. And or my other or course, a slow discharge over a long time. Yeah. Yeah. My other thing yeah. is um, when I got the uh, battery for the 450, they didn't have the UASAs, so I had to get a fire pa- firepower, surefire. Yeah, that's fine. And But what was interesting is they were about a third of the weight, and I just assumed the UASA mm. is it just better, better and more materials, that kind of a thing. Because it was significantly lighter and also cheaper. I think 120 bucks. Well, they're all, already lighter, the, the lithium ion. Well, but the, the UASA one is surprisingly heavy. It's almost the same weight as a lead huh. acid battery. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. know is, is, an extra, is it worth the extra 200 bucks to get a UASA? Or is the I mean, surefire just. Theoretically. Or you can just lose weight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, th- uh, the weight advantage. You're not going you're not, you're yeah. not to fail. Um <sighs> Well, and I want to say the reason I had the lithium ion was in my flat track, my street tracker, Mm -hmm. because I removed all the electronics and hid them. And this was a battery you could turn sideways and hide it under the rear cowl very easily. So I was kind of like ahead of the curve when they really weren't that dependable. I think they've gotten a lot better now. Yeah, that's what the dude said when I picked it up. It was out in Bakersfield at a KTM place. And I'm like, oh, they're like, we don't have the UASA, but we got this. I'm like, is it okay? He goes, everybody I know runs them. Not really a problem. And it has more cranking amperage. So, and so far, so good. But you also save a couple hundred bucks. Well, if it's half the price, you can buy two for one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so John... You think uh, you put the old battery in, which had not been destroyed yet. So last night I put the, uh, I had both batteries. I put one, I put them both on a reconditioning cycle on the uh, battery charger. When I woke up this morning, the old battery had a hundred percent. The new battery had 60. So there you go. That tells you everything. Yeah, it was damaged. So that's why. And, and my triumph, the, even though I fixed it, I haven't ridden it yet. And so the battery sat. And my triumph is like went, that too. Went though. down to 11, 6. So I had to right. it and start y- again. You know, the there is a drain on from the instrument pack because mm. your, your, um, uh, your Triumph has a has a CAN network on it, okay. as does yours. Yeah, which if I don't keep it on the battery con- tender. Controller area network. And, you know, the, there is a microscopic drain on them. So you've got to ride them. 
Okay, yeah. there you go. Try la So, you guys ready for game time? Oh, yeah. yes. All right, I came up with a game. Does it involve the gimp mask and Koopa? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the gimp, oh, the gimp mask. Cooper oh. You know, when, um, when <laughs> MotoGP... Yeah, I guarantee you'd find a nurse quite quickly if you Still wore the gimp mask. The funny thing, when MotoGP wore the gimp mask in the burnout contest at Vintage Days, I didn't realize how... How full of soot that mask came. Oh, oh nasty. Oh, and no. when Henry, the other week he came and Henry put it on, took it off, he looked like he was preparing for a paintball <laughs> war or something. He was just like oh, black no. all over oh, his face. Oh, my God. That's funny. Uh, yeah. That, so <laughs> I need to clean the gimp mask. So game time. Yikes. So I thought I'd try something new. Um, we've never done this before. And so I wanted to... Bring out an old, old standard game a lot of people have played. Have you ever played Two Truths and a Lie? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to play it motorcycle history version. I want to see how well we know each other and our riding accomplishments mm-hmm. and history. And I thought it'd be fun if we, we give Two Truths and a Lie and see if everyone can guess what's a lie. So I'll start out with mm-hmm. something really simple. See if you guys have paid attention to my the history of bikes that I have owned. All right. So first thing I'll say is I have owned four Kawasaki GPZs. Next thing I'll say is I have owned three Honda CX500s. And the next thing I'll say is I have owned two Kawasaki KZ400s. Oh, I know the answer to that. <clears throat> Who wants to guess what the lie is? The lie is of GPZs. No, I'd say the lie is CX500. Uh, well, I'm going to say that Emma's right. I've only had two CX500s. Wow. I have had one 550, one 750, and two 1100 GPZs. Okay. Yeah, you got it. All right. Who, who else has is ready to do two truths and a lie? Emma, you got one? Yeah, let me think. Two truths and a lie. Um, I have ridden to the pub wearing a saucepan on my head <laughs> because I couldn't uh, find my helmet. <laughs> 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 I have, I have done 120 miles an hour through a suburban neighborhood on a Suzuki two-stroke. <laughs> I have blown up a BSA 250 overtaking a Rover on the A38. What was the second one again? I have done... 120 miles an hour through a, a suburban, suburban neighborhood on, on a, a Suzuki, Suzuki two-stroke. Can I ask a question? No. Okay. You have to take... The I'm going to guess Suzuki two-stroke because you didn't want say, say what size two-stroke it was. You um, know what I loved back in the day. Yeah, so I'm going to say um. the... T-shirt, because I can totally picture you with a pot on your head. What was the third one again? So I went to the pub wearing a saucepan on my head because yep. I couldn't find my helmet. And the handle was facing backwards. Um, I have done 120 miles an hour through a suburban neighborhood on a Suzuki two-stroke. I blew up a BSA 250 overtaking a Rover on the A38. I'm going to say you only did 110 on this on the T-shirt. Anyone got a guess? <laughs> I'm going to go number three is the lie. I'm, I'm going number three. Number two is the lie. Mm-hmm. Cooper? Right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go number three. 
Number three was the light. It oh, was uh, a voxel Victor. Had <laughs> 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 we heard voxel, it would have been a <laughs> different story. <laughs> but I did indeed blow up my BSA B25 overtaking a voxel Victor <laughs> on the A38, and I was very, very upset about it. And it was a bad blow-up. I mean, the bottom of the engine was gone. There was a rod hanging out through the bottom of the engine. There was metal oh, corn no. flakes. Um, I went to the pub. <clears throat> The green man at Middleton wearing a saucepan on my head with the handle facing backwards. And I didn't add that I held it on with tape because I couldn't find my helmet and I wanted to go to the pub. Because that's a spec. That's right. Yeah. And as you all well know, I was very, very much into GT 750s Suzuki's yep. and I was young and mad. And I tell you what, if you bought a GT 750 Suzuki and put expansion chambers on it, Ooh. those fuckers flew. Ooh. All right, who else has got one? All right, I'll go. Oh, yeah, one? All right. <clears throat> so, um, my first ride was a Italian masterpiece. He thought too long on that one. My second ride was, or my second... <laughs> wait, 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 what's an Italian masterpiece? Your second ride Mona, was your uh, mom. Wait, so your <laughs> first ride was... Oh, you can't ask questions. Your first ride was you a Mona Lisa? What do you mean? Already. You can't ask questions. It was a, my second it. truth... Or lie was <laughs> I first race I ever won was a flat track in Allentown, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> the last one will be I once was a I was on a MotoGP race team, or actually, yeah, Superbike race team. <clears throat> I'm going to say number one was a lie because you pause so much, and I think you're a bad liar. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> What was the one again? Can you repeat number one? Uh, my first ride was an Italian masterpiece. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like an altar boy story. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'll go with that. I, I say the first one's a lie. I'm going to go with number one also. No, I'm going to go number two. And I would, he was quite vague about number one because it could have been anything. could have been a frigging bicycle. could have been a Bianchi bicycle. didn't have to be a motorcycle. All right. Usually when you lie, you put in too much... Too much uh, Okay, the lie was number two. Yeah, Emma was right. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> so my first ride was a Fanachino mini bike. Oh, oh, there you go. All right. Oh, I thought I thought this was someone you knew in school. <clears throat> <No>. <laughs> All right, you, you 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 got one, Jim. All right, let's see. Um, I have seen and videoed UFOs while riding motorcycles. <laughs> see, you're at a disadvantage because <laughs> I'm very familiar with their entire motorcycling history. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I have actually fallen off uh, a Yamaha FC1 while attempting a sexual maneuver. <laughs> and <laughs> a, a sexual maneuver or a sexual while filming UFOs. No, it was on a side it was on the side stand. It was on a side stand. <laughs> just when you think it's safe. Anyway, and last weekly was the fastest I have been on a motorcycle in my life was on Highway 17. <clears throat> I'm gonna wait, go. wait, wait, say that last one again. Uh, fastest I've been on a motorcycle in my life, top speed 144, was on Highway 17. Don't agree with that. Okay, so. I'm going to say yeah, I think that's the lie. Uh, number two is a lie because you know what you're doing, son. <laughs> <laughs> number, two is, number two is a lie. No, I'm going to go. You didn't fall off. <laughs> I'm going to go number three because I, I think Jim's done 145, but it wasn't on Highway 17. Mm. And I have this, susp I can just see Jim banging somebody against that FC1. Oh, yeah. I can totally he, see it. He didn't fall off. That's all I'm saying. 
And you are correct, Noah, because I have skills of a ninja. <laughs> skills of a ninja. And if you are going to pick a bike, make sure it's shiny and chrome. Especially a nice big headlight bucket in chrome is good for such activities. Uh, no, 144 was going through Scotts Valley on the Jixer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a nice little straightaway. Wow. It, it is, is actually. Yeah, it I was going to say that's a lovely spot. Yeah. It's a lovely little spot yeah. as you come down. And, and as soon as you get yeah. past that turnout, there's no cops. So, and if they do, they're just like, I'm not chasing them. And then whatever the other one was. So it was number two. I'm crushed. Oh, yeah. Yes. That, that, no, like a ninja. can't hide anything from Like the, a ninja. The day's still young. Uh, Bagel, do you have one? I do. <clears throat> number one. I have ridden a Vespa in all 50 states. Okay. Oh. Number, number two. I have ridden over 100 miles per hour. And number three. I have never sold a Vespa that I've owned. Oh. Those are good ones. Wow. Okay, hold on. Mm. He has a map on one of his bikes that he's been filling in. Mm-hmm. Well, he's notoriously I can't vague about the 100 miles an hour, in. too. Like, so, I... Oh, no. 100 oh, miles wait, an hour wait, on a wait, scooter? Wait, wait, wait. Clarifying question. Hold on. I'm I'm not going to give too much away other than Alaska was is one of my clues. Yeah. Alaska was one of my clues. So, I'm going to go with... Uh, You've never sold a Vespa? Uh, I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go with two. Yeah, I'm number one. I, I think you probably ran a Limbretta in one of those states. I th- Anybody Emma? else? Emma? I think, yeah, I don't think you've ridden a Vespa in all states because I think you might have ridden your <clears throat> Heinke Heinkel HE yep. triple one. Yeah, I'm on, on that one too. On all the, on all a, the states. I think you did a, a lot bombing, of states. I did, you did a bombing raid over some poor state with the <laughs> HE triple one. So, um, yeah, that's the one I'm going for. What number was that? I'm going to go three. I'm uh, going to go three, actually, because you have know, quite a collection behind right? you. Yeah. Bagel, okay. didn't you go to Alaska to knock that off of your list? To complete I did your ride list? to Alaska. I did ride to Alaska on my Cannonball GTS. Right. Um, that made it, I believe, and, uh, there were a couple states after that. Oh, okay. But I've ridden, <clears throat> I've ridden to 49 states on my Cannonball GTS. Okay. But I rented, but I, the only state I did not ride that bike in was Hawaii, but I did rent a Vespa yes, when I was I knew you'd ridden all the states. So I have ridden a Vespa in all 50 uh-huh. states. <coughs> I I have ridden over 100 miles per hour, oh. but it was not on the scooter. It was when I was test riding a uh, Zero FXS. <laughs> 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 and I have sold one Vespa that I've owned. Oh, that Cooper was the it. that was the 1963 VBB that I had bought, and then saw a post years later. Um, from the original owner on Facebook saying, I don't know where this bike is now. I lost it years ago and I would love to find it again. And she posted a picture of her with the bike that had West white Vespa with red wheels. And I was like, that's the same bike. And her last name was the same name as the guy who sold the bike to my friend, which I bought, who I bought it from. So I knew that that was her bike and I had to sell it back to her. So, but otherwise I have never sold a Vespa that I've owned, but I did sell that one. All right, we've got one left, Cooper. All Two right. truths and a lie. All right. Um, one, my first accident was slipping on gravel. <laughs> <laughs> so we got him as that his first accident. Uh, two, okay. I've ridden three up. Which okay. Also very unsafe. Huh? Yeah. And three, I've ridden a motorcycle through a house. Ooh. Like door to door. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Animal Ooh, House stuff. Okay, okay. So uh, you said your first accident was on gravel. I think you've had an accident before. So do I. Yeah, I'll I jump on so that. So I, I'm calling yeah. him on number one as a lie. I think I'm going to go number two just because everyone else is going number one. I and, and I want to think that you have ridden through house because I would want to do that. So yeah. I want to yep. believe that you have. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, number go. two is the lie. Yes. My, I've had another accident yep. also on gravel. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yep. gravel is your nemesis, but you've never ridden three up. Yeah. Well, no. Um, go to Jim's house. He's got some kind of crazy sexual situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just do a menage. Can I have the three up house? Actually, I used to have a CB750K <laughs> with that big luggage rack. Yes. That made it really easy to put three on there and actually when i was when i learned to ride when i was 12 it was on a gs650 and there were three of us my friend took me and my my friend's dad took me and her to a parking lot to teach me how to ride and i mean didn't you've had dino standing up on scooters of yours before oh yeah oh enzo yeah yeah i've I've done three up a bunch i've done three up a bunch yeah and can can I also mention that I have ridden eleven up on a scooter once? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that says everything you need to know about scooter riders. Interesting. Yeah, this was, interesting. Yeah, there was a contest at a scooter rally once to see how many people you could fit on a scooter and ride a course, and I got eleven people on my nineteen fifty eight Heinkel, but but we didn't we didn't win because I had ended up putting a foot down before the end of the course. Wow. We got nine people on one of the CB150Fs in Pakistan, but just for a photo, we didn't ride it. But uh, but yeah, nine people. That was pretty good. Well, some Pakistani family beat you already. <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk about something. And Jim, I think um, I'd like your input on this as well. We were having a conversation today in the garage that feels like things have are changed and shifted a lot. And Mike McCarthy was here and he said... Hmm. Yeah, the first time I came here, there was, you know, Cat and Marie and bikinis and the swimming pool, you know, and like there was always like fun stuff going on and hot chicks, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, that really hasn't happened in a long time. <laughs> and I'm thinking about like, well, Megan's grown up and has babies, mm-hmm. and a lot of the the kids got girlfriends and jobs. A lot of people aren't coming around. In fact. We're sitting around most of the day today, a lot of resources, people ready to help anyone. And we did have a nice young man named Zach who came by with his mom. He's heading off to college Mm -hmm. and he has a bike and he came down to get gear because all he owned was a helmet. So he and his mom were just so pleased that he got fully outfitted Awesome. But we were sitting around with not much All to do. All we had was Cooper and his banana hammock. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing my best. And we were like, you know, times have changed. A lot of people aren't just coming by. A lot of people aren't needing help. Now, also, I don't advertise the garage because we can't have too many people. It's always been a word of mouth. But definitely the gang isn't coming around as much. Charlie and Mike are racing and teaching and just, you know. Um, and we were talking about what would be the next step the next evolution of the garage what do we do because we still want to be a resource for the community and help people and i had proposed the idea to emma that maybe we should start offering classes like when we did the um the first aid class Mm -hmm. maybe that should be like you know every eight weeks we offer a first aid class people Mm -hmm. can sign up um emma what what would be some 
classes that you would want to, I mean, we've done tire changing. Yeah, we can do tire changing. We can do oil changing. We can do just general maintenance. Valves? Um, Val- just checking your valves? Yeah, checking your valves. I mean, there's a variety of things that we can do. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm struck by how lively the garage used to be. And I'd love to see it like that again. So, I mean, we're open to suggestions from anybody. I mean, what would make you want to come to the garage on a Sunday and just hang out? Well, aside from the fact that we're really cool people, I brought donuts. There you go. There's there's a couple well, different things. Bagel's going on here. got his hand up. Well, I was going to say maybe it's not a a question of of how attractive the garage is, but maybe just that people don't know about it. And one of the things that I remember that people used to do a lot was go up to the UCSC campus and put notes or cards on bikes that were sitting there and say, hey, if you need help with your bike, come to the Recycle Garage. And we got a lot of people who came in that way. Yeah. Well, so maybe maybe we need to do a little bit more seeding of, of, uh, of people, of bike riders out there and get the idea in their heads. There's two different measures of success. And full disclosure, I had a wonderful time hanging out in the garage, different people kind of dropping by. There was a few at a time. Cooper was here the whole time. It was never boring. There was always different conversations, different people going on. And that that's fun. But some people are like, it, it's so lively when there's like 30 people here having a good time. But then I told John, I'd be just as happy with three people learning how to clean a carburetor. To right. me, that's another measure of success, you know? Um so I'm just seeing, Jim, what do you think? What are some things that should we try and advertise and get people to show up? Or should we just try and like offer some classes or is there, or rides? Maybe we should turn it into rides. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know the answer. I think it's always been a somewhat organic thing. And when you start trying to generate interest, I don't know. It seems a little just not it, the it right does. vibe. Well, like, the, the one what? thing I've always been proudest of here, Jim, is that, as you say, it's such an organic thing and we don't really try. Mm-hmm. Um and it just kind of becomes its own thing. You know, these these trips that we're organizing, whether mm-hmm. it's to Pakistan, Stumperstan, Chickistan, you know, the the Dolomites training mm-hmm. tour, you know, they're they're being wildly <clears throat> popular. Yeah, and that, that maybe that's the kind of shift that's happening because the garage lies will tell you, you know, it's always evolving. It's never been the same, right? And you know, we used to do a lot more like, I'll say, different, just as fun stuff, more chariot racing, more mini bike racing, more dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was a different vibe. But at the same time, that was a whole different set of people that have grown up and moved on. So I, I think it's, it, it's we just keep doing what we're doing the whole time. And people ebb and flow as usual. So that's my take. But, but shifting to all these trips, I think is really cool. Because now we have all these trips internationally that, that never used to happen. But that's that's... Because there's two things going on here. There's the Recycle Garage, which is the place, and the Misfits, who we are. And the trips are very much a Misfits thing. Yeah. Whereas the Recycle mm-hmm. Garage is... Serving the community. Serving the community. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a little more going on with the Recycle Garage. So, you know, anything we can do. Yes, Bagel. Bring back a, the kiddie pool. I will strip down to my brassiere and knickknacks and sit in the kiddie pool <laughs> if it'll bring people in. In fact, I am quite prepared to put on a fruity pair of stilettos as well, as long as I don't have to dunk them in the water. 
<laughs> so I, I want to go back to what Bagel said. I, <clears throat> it's funny, as I get around, and like I was at the Triumph shop recently and talking to the, the service writer, and uh, people just don't know about what we do here. And I think there's nothing yeah. wrong with having some cards to say, hey, here's here's who we are and what we do. Come by. I just think I, I building community is a good thing, and we have a lot to offer to the motorcycle community. Yeah, and especially if you leave it on bikes that look like they need some work. So when the garage started, it, it, it started with long-term projects. We would take donated basket case bikes or really cheap bikes, and it would take maybe six months of somebody coming in every weekend well, and learning how to <laughs> rebuild and, and go through the whole thing. That's how Doug started. That's right. how Kat started. A lot of people started. Megan with these project bikes that they had to constantly work on and fix. And I had the, the Honda but, 350. And yes, Jim. But that was at a time when we only mm-hmm. had a handful of people coming. But then when more and more people were coming, I started getting rid of my project bikes because there was too much going on. There was right. too much. So maybe it's time to go back to having a project bike, which can also be used through teaching. Yeah. Restoration process. Well, we know we have a KLR. Yeah, <laughs> could we, use we have help. a project bike. Yeah, you, yeah, you do. Um, but, it, but it might also be like a community. Maybe it'd be fun to take a basket case a community and put build. it on the lift and let everybody kind of take a thing. And maybe Emma, when someone shows up, it's like, hey, you want to jump in? Do you want to learn how to clean carbs? Or do you want to learn how to polish aluminum? Or do you want, you know, all these different learn learning uh, uh, opportunities. Well, what do you think, Cooper? I mean, you're... You've started coming around a little bit here and there, but you know what? Any thoughts about this? Um, I mean, I like the idea of having a project bike, like even something like that, because it's not like you have to show up with something to do on yours. You just want to come hang out. And I think that's that's how I first started coming around. You know, like when I showed up, there was a bunch of people taking apart their bikes asking for help. And so, right. you know, it's not like I have to disassemble mine in the parking lot. If And what you'll find is as you get embroiled in the industry um, and become a fully fledged mechanic, what you do here is very, very different to what you do at work. Mm-hmm. You know, I never really have to make a conscious effort to separate Mototown from this place because it's very, very different. <coughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and you, you'll, you'll still want to come here. If I was given a choice between giving up my shop, as great an income as I get from mm-hmm. it, or giving up coming here, I'd continue to come here. Well, you know, the other thing I think that's important is the wrenching's cool, but I know the reason I still come is community. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't work on motorcycles here anymore. Um, I do that at home. But I come here like I came down when you guys opened, you opened this morning, Liza, just to hang out. Um, so I think if you can build community here, that's a lot of time people new to motorcycling are looking for friends, right? Because so many motorcycles already have, most cyclists have this established community. Um, yeah, we were so putting say, on you know, Ayersberg Rodeo and, uh, and, and... And that's fun. Yeah, yeah showing uh, uh, Cooper and was, uh, Christina. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, check this out, right? Yeah, it's and nice. I, and I've met people like in Sunnyvale riding yeah. around that they don't know this is here, and so it's easy enough to tell them. But and that's right. the word of mouth yeah. has always yeah. always been good. But may I, I would like to Emma, maybe let's look at uh, putting together some classes that we can promote. to, yeah. to serve the community. Well, and the they, other thing that's kind of dead right now because no UCSC and the high schools are back in right now, so yeah. it's a sweet. It's so a and, sweet spot here in the town. Too, yeah. it's, it's a great time to be in Santa Cruz. But pretty soon students are going to be coming back, and that's where a lot of people seem to come mm-hmm. from also. 
do you see? Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, the the future of the recycle garage. We'll see what it it becomes, or maybe just bring the the baby pool back. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we've got some some emails to cover, and this one is um is an audio audio one. <clears throat> so is it an audio or is it an audio? Well, is it odd? Uh, this one is from <laughs> Sam, and he, and he says, "Is this a good noise?" says, hi, gang, I have a question about the film Reappear, a delightful piece that I discovered from a previous Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. Um, the movie's on YouTube now. It's, it's Reappear. He says, the guy in the film restored his dad's old motorcycle, and when it's running, um, it makes what to me is an alarming clunking noise in about once a second while idling. What's making that noise, and did a lot of old bikes really sound like that? So, Emma. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play you this noise. There's also some background music as we, we get to that. But let's hear the bike running. Let's see. All right. I'll tell you when it gets to that clunking sound. And this is, um, I want to say like a, a 1950s bike. All right. We're coming to it. Wait. That he restored out of the garage. Really, it's really what touching kind of film. Hold on. That that sound, cunt, 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 cunt. No, I mean, that sounds like an old English bike idling. And it is a British film. Yeah. He's riding in a seaside town. So that clunk, 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 is that yeah. the sound of, is that a single? Yeah, that's a single cylinder bike. Sounds good to me. <laughs> that's just the thump. <laughs> sounds like victory. <clears throat> that's just the thump. Well, there you go, Sam. It's just the thought. <laughs> All right, Bagel, you have one there? I do. I have an email here from Dave Powell. Hey, Dave. Hi, Dave. Dave. Says, this is Dave, one of those Canadians here. Try the accent <laughs> from Toronto. Oh, boy. <laughs> you got you to slur your speech a little more. Is this Dave uh, Powell? I'll, I'll have to pound another beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey. Another Molson After Bredor. returning... After returning from the the Motorcycles and Misfits Dolomite training tour and had a spectacular time with Emma, Nancy, Mouse, and Kat leading us through the trip. Emma, ever the consummate host, driving the fun, enjoying teaching us the Munich subway and trying different food with maybe a little beer. <laughs> we had one night in the Dolomites riding back to our hotel and Emma was running low on fuel. Her and I had to turn back to a village to fuel our small tanks while the rest carried on. Once fueled, we rode the tires off the BMW F900Rs back to the hotel. Emma was a fast badass that I could barely catch. She only led up to clean the crap from her knickers as a deer ran out <laughs> and waved before carrying on down the mountain. That was a ride that I will never forget and will only become more embellished as the years go by. We had no strips left on the tires after that ride. Nancy was making sure we had all info before Munich and for our rides. We were organized and fully prepared for the total trip and couldn't have done it without her. Numerous emails, without her numerous emails and check to make sure we had our shit together. Kat ran a great tour with all the maps and GPS so we could make our way around, make our, make our own way around Italy. Also, the bikes from BTS were in great condition and ran flawlessly. I will also say that the online the online champ training school was also invaluable before our trip to Europe. What a great class. Food and drink were excellent. 
from Indian food to traditional German food to beautiful aged grilled steak at a mountain restaurant. It was a trip in a lifetime for me and hope that some of our group will hit Europe again someday. The smile should be off by face sometime in August. (laughs) What a trip. If you're thinking about doing it, just do it. You won't regret it. Thank you for Motorcycles and Misfits for putting this trip together. Your listener from Toronto, Dave Powell. Dave was a very good I, egg. I'm th- what a fun-looking bike too. I think that accent was more a was, little, it's got a little like Scottish, Ohio, man. and a little but Irish, that, and a little. That was that too much Newfoundland in there. So, no, that was quite the ride back that we had, and the be- trousers filled. <laughs> well, it was his fucking deer. I mean, we were. I, and I think the phrase I used at the time, and Dave kind of was wild-eyed and nodded, I said, Dave, we were at the absolute limits of addition with these bikes. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you're, you're coming around corners, and, you know, it's getting dust, so you've really your world is what's illuminated in the headlight. And mm-hmm. instead of seeing tarmac with lines on it, I saw a fucking great brown deer. Oh boy. And I'm like, oh shit. And right when they come out. And it just moved to the side enough that I just skimmed by its tail. But, you know, I crapped myself and I think the deer crapped itself and Dave crapped himself. And it was, um, it would have been quite an interesting scene because I was doing probably the best part of 90. Mm. So it would almost certainly would have been fatal for the deer and probably for me as well. Venison on the menu. Um, yeah, and I would love to say I slowed down after that, but we went even quicker. <laughs> they look uh, like fun bikes. They, I tell you what, um, kudos to BMW, and I'm going to tell you the only reason I will never own one, but those <laughs> F900s are stout Is that a bikes. twin? It's a twin-cylinder bike. It's got no real Japanese equivalent. Its closest relative in Japan, uh, from Jap- uh, Japanese bikes, is probably the XSR 900 Yamaha, mm, yeah. even though that's a triple. But it's a really similar feeling bike, same amount of power. So you've got about 110 horsepower. BMWs are very, very clever bikes. They've got all these inputs that you can put in, you can change the power from rain, road, dynamic, dynamic pro. You can ramp up the traction control, ramp up or ramp down the ABS. And it's all done electronically. It's incredible. Um, but the reason I will never own one is they are just so expensive. Mm. If you crunch them, um, one of my lowest points at Mototown, a gentleman dropped off a very, very nice R90. And um, whether he'd put it on a um, a uh, slightly wobbly piece of ground or the side stand wasn't done. But basically, after he dropped it off outside and before I got it on the ramp, it fell over outside. Mm. And so I'm like, look. I'm going to take responsibility for this because that's what a responsible bike shop does. Um, And it cost me $5,000. Oh, Oh. no. I mean, that's what it cost me because, 
you know, by the time you've paid for a chip in the tank and a brake lever and a pair of handlebars and the things that get broken. And I mean, that is a that was a big hit for me just for something incredibly minor. And if you're paying like $150 for a clutch lever, like, I'm not sure if I like this pricing structure. You know, and that's that's kind of it put me off BMWs as far as ownership goes. But for rental, my God, they're great bikes. You know, you know, it's funny, Jim, we'll get to you a second bagel is we used to think of dirt bikes as currency. And when she said it cost me five thousand, yeah. I went, yeah, yeah. that's like three dirt bikes. And then yeah. I went, oh, no, Ooh. with inflation for Jim, that's half a dirt bike. Yeah, these days. <laughs> right. But you can still pick up that bike for it looks like under 10 grand, you know, retail. So it's well, the F900. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, they're out there. And I mean, if if you want a really stout hearted sport bike. Um, F900s, they're great. But just understand, if you crash it, it's going to cost you. Go, baby. Mm. And I was wondering, is that I mean, is that something that insurance could cover, like, for your shop? Uh, we're a- not going to get involved in motorcycle shop insurance right now. Oh, but it's, oh, okay. The, what you basically need to know is if you own a motorcycle shop, there are probably three insurance companies in the whole world that will insure you. Ooh. And you you don't want to rock that boat. (laughs) Damn right you don't. So, you know, a lot of times you're self-insured. I'm lucky enough that I have an insurance company that will insure me when I get a black shadow in. Yeah, that's for the big stuff. And I had another black shadow come down this week. So I'm not going to rock that boat. If they're going to cover me for when a black shadow comes down, I'm okay with that. All right. All right. You got one there, John? Yep. I got one from Guillermo Alfaro. Guillermo. Guillermo. Hey, Guillermo, ciao, bella, ciao, ciao, Guillermo. Hey, misfits. I bought this old 1982 Honda Nighthawk, and I'm trying to get it going again. And I think I'm out of my depth on the carb tuning. I think I'm pretty close to the revs stick, but the revs stick up if you if you walk the throttle. I've cleaned the carbs and got them back together well, pretty meticulously, but I've done it before. The bike runs, but it has sat so long, I think it just needs some expert advice to make sure that I'm not missing some basic thing. I want to know if someone would be around next weekend, 8-27-23, to help me with this bike. Thanks in advance. I'm coming out of the North Bay, so I wanted to make sure that I would not make a trip if the correct person uh, was not here to help. Oh, Guillermo, you're in luck, honey, because the uh, the incorrect person will be here, and that will be me. No, um, I'm running the garage next week because Liza will be in Gore Blimey Land. That's right. And um, when Emma runs the garage... You will all do exactly <laughs> what I say, because if you don't, oh, I will cut up rough. So I will say, uh, "Hey, show up early. Show up around eleven or twelve. Yeah, because don't I mean, show up at four. If if we're getting yeah. <laughs> if we're getting hot and heavy with carburetors, Guillermo, I want you here early. Um, probably as long as you show up before like eleven thirty, because of course eleven o'clock we're opening up. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. So if you, as long as you show up before eleven thirty. We'll get those carbs set up. All right. And a lot of carb tuning is really seat of your pants stuff. Is you ride it and you figure out, is it lean? Is it rich? Well, how do you know if it's lean or it's rich? Well, if it's rich, it kind of feels hold backy and a bit woolly. And if it's lean, generally it pops back through the intake. And you just go through the motions and figure it out. And hanging carburetors, it's something that Hondas do. But you, you can cure that. What sort of bike is this? Is this a twin or a four? 
Uh, I threw in. <laughs> well, that's not very Sorry. helpful. I'm not sure. All right, so Emma, you have a long email there. We're going to save that for next week. Jim's going to read his, and I'm going to hand you What's one to read that? because this is uh, this is a special one. Go ahead, Jim. <clears throat> All right. Uh, hello, Misfits. This hello. is from hello. Tim Honda. Hey, hey Tim. Tim. Really. Tim yes, Honda? Tim Honda. Wow. What? Yep. What a name. The H is silent, though. It's Honda. I have a friend's last name is Kawasaki. <laughs> uh, hello, Ms. Fitz. So he's British, he's British then. <laughs> it, it's it. I was listening to one Tim of Honda. your recent shows, and you were talking about going to Europe to watch Speedway racing. Great idea. Yes. If you would like to get a local fix uh, for the Speedway appetite, may I recommend Fast Friday's AMA <gasps> Speedway in Auburn, California? Oh, it's, and it's real Speedway. Ooh, let's Bishop. go. It's not nice. flat track. It's Speedway. They have a few wow. races left this season, and they just happen to be on Saturday nights, most notably the AMA Championship round on September 16th. I know it's a little bit Ooh. of a haul from Santa Cruz, but there's fire roads up there if you're interested. Uh, but the mm-hmm. racing is well worth it, and I'd love to show you the back road way or the back road way in to get there from Napa sometime. Thanks, Tim. Ooh, nice. Mm. Yeah, so we should do that. Yeah, put Auburn. Let's go. Did that sounds like fun. Go up. You went up for flat track once to Santa Sa- Cruz. You didn't go all the way to Auburn. Sacramento. Yeah, I've been to Sa- Sacramento Mile. That yeah, but, right. Oh, this is interesting. This is a real legit f- speedway. There's cool shit out there in the valley. Oh, man, There's flat that's track cool. racing speedway. Yeah. Auburn. I, we got to check that out. Well, yep. Emma, you have an email that is in response. To a new uh, a new segment we started last week, Jim, you weren't here for this. Hmm. Started a new segment called "What Dat." What up? What that? I discovered looking at like oh, some of my bikes, like mm-hmm. my Triumph. I'm like, there's two things going in where the spark plug goes, mm. and I was like, Emma, what that? And I that? realized that there are all these like new technology things that I'm like, I, I ask people that? like, if you have something on your bike and you really don't know what it does, mm-hmm. send us a picture and. With the, with the caption, What's what that? Week? And Emma will tell you what that is. Right. Well, so Emma, I, I'm, I'm, I've got to be honest with you. I'm uh-oh. not entirely sure, but I think I know what this is. I, th- I think I might know what it is. Um, I think this is a headlight modulator. Oh, wait. Read the email. So it basically says, Good evening, Misfits. On my recently purchased 04 Triumph Sprint uh-huh. RS955, I found this under the seat and it plugs into the harness. I haven't messed with a button or switch. I have no clue as to what it does. I'm going to start touring on this bike soon. Great podcast. Love Miss Emma and always looking forward to Naked Jim's adventure stories. More updates on the GSX GT. So here's what we've got. We've got this gorgeous, my God, that's a beautiful bike. Friggin' Triumph Sprint GT. That is just a... Is it maroon? What color is it? Oh, it's it's cobalt blue. Mm. It is drop-dead gorgeous. And there's a little black box, which is probably the size of a matchbox. It's smaller than a box of cigarettes mm-hmm. with, I think it's S and H, not HS. And then on the back, it's got a little red panel with buttons on it. On, dip, which I think is our key. And then one, two, three, four, five, six with switches and a button. And then the wiring is White, black, heavy, which I think is ground, red and blue. So you're confident this is not a stock item? No, this is an aftermarket item. Can I take a guess? Yeah, please. Because I think I have something like that on my... I had one uh, on my KTM Super Duke. I thought I thought it was for remapping. Well... That you can change your settings 
with I, these little you know, switches. You may. You're thinking no, because that if mm. it was for remapping, it'd be a lot bigger. I think that's for the headlight, and I'll tell you the clue. I think the dip. I don't think a headlight would need to have this many variables. Well, it depends how quick you want it to flash. It's a modulator. Um, that's not really a thing that you need to specify how quick it's flashing. I already looked up S and H, and it's it's not really helping me. Hang on, let's actually look S and H Electronics for a Triumph. It's mm. kind of a bit of a mystery Ooh. Ooh. at the mm. moment. So well, while you're looking that up, I'm yeah. going to plug mm. our website and T-shirts for hey. sale. I shipped some, another shirt out this week. Hey, motorcyclesandmisfits.com. Cooper, you need to pick up one of our T-shirts. I yes, you I do. do. Yeah. I know. The new one is pretty cool. The Blue Racer. I've been seeing it showing up at events. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate all of our listeners who sent in pictures of them wearing it in different places. I'm really stoked about that. Motorcyclesandmisfits.com. You'll find the link and just click on store. I think it's store. And you can buy you can buy some shirts. I got the Evil oh. Evil Wheelie and the Blue Racer. <gasps> I All know, right, you I know, know what it is? I know what it is. I Wait, know what, what is it? What that, Emma? What that? <laughs> Wait a minute. S-H, you're right. It's a, S-H. It, it's a speedometer healer. That's exactly oh. what S-H stands for. It's a, it's a calibration. It's an accurate calibration for the speedometer. Yes. That you would have to have different settings for different. Yeah. So this has the magnets on the wheel. Yes, and you gotta yes, yes. Have yes. all the different settings. Yes. That yes. makes sense. Cool. Yeah, it's a speedo healer. So my guess is at some stage somebody's been monkeying around with the electrics on the bike and either knocked out the ABS or the speedo itself. And then you put a healer on it, and it gets back things back into um, calibration. S and H Speedo Healer. Hmm. Who knew? There you go. So that's wow. what that is. What that? Well, thank you. Hey, and if you have, a- but I tell you what, that what? is a friggin' drop dead gorgeous spike. Yeah, isn't it is it? good looking. Hey, we want some more. Send us your what that. <laughs> I know we all we all have things. We've been um, looking at our bikes like, what? I don't know what that does. Send it to us. No, if anybody sends me a hamburger shot and says, what that? <laughs> you will be banned for life. <laughs> um, yeah, do not show us what you're using your old spark plugs Send for. us the best picture of your dookie uh, stick. Send it. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Oh, I have an update for you. Hold on. Okay. Send it to motorcyclesandmisfits <laughs> at gmail.com. So you may recall that last week I had my my cousin and her little kids here. Yeah. And And I said, hey, kids, I got a new game I want to teach you. Jim, you weren't here last week. Jim taught us a new game. It's called Dookie Stick. They're like, what's that? I said, well, you got to get a good stick, and then you got to find the dookie. You put the dookie on the stick, and you chase your siblings around. They're like, what? I went, but you really got to find the right stick. Too short or too long, it can double back on you. So. Oh, God. Dookie stick, oh. and I then I warned the parents if they're dabbing each other with poop, it blame me, not the kids. <laughs> but I couldn't resist. Good, <laughs> and you thought that was just worth mentioning, because huh? <laughs> oh, Emma like, was Beep. dying last week telling us about Dookie stick. She was oh, doubled wow. over, peeing her pants, couldn't breathe. Yep, yeah. Just let, reliving her youth. Stinky, stinky, and wh- dookie, dookie. A, wh- a bit of pee, come out. Oh. <laughs> a wh- a bit of pee, come so, out. So, I am leaving tomorrow. You guys are running Thank the road. Thank Christ. Uh, party everything. next week. And
And uh, did I tell you what I am writing no. in the UK? A trikey. Uh No, I am writing a Triumph uh, 8 fi- a Tiger 850 Sport. Sounds fun. Yeah. Cool. You'll like it. Big adventure bike. Yeah. It looks, looks like it'll be an excellent bike. It's very similar to John's. Um, it's got an updated... Has yours got the, the, T- like the LCD screen? TFT, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's got the TFT. It's mm-hmm. just got a bigger TFT on it. And um, 50 more CCs. Pretty much right away, we're going to Isle Man. I'm getting pretty stoked about going for these races. Cat uh, found us a really cool house. This is the Manx races, not the TT. And during the TT, as you know, it's impossible to find a place to stay or to get um, a booking on the ferry. You got to do everything year in advance. This is the, like similar racing, but without all of that craziness. Same course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same course. So, um, is that the Manx GP? Yep. Yeah. Yes. You reached oh, cool. out to Miss Sells, didn't you? Yes, I reached out to Carolyn Sells. And what did Carolyn nice. ask you? Uh, she asked if Yuri is going to be coming. <laughs> <laughs> Good Ooh. question. And I had to tell her that he didn't get accepted this And year. she was crushed, wasn't mm. she? Well, Yuri is such a player. She, she's going to have a word with those race officials. Yeah, but I told her I was really looking forward to come and meet her in person. And she said she she's happy... Uh, to to meet me too. She's going to be the she's the commentator. She's the color commentator commenting oh, wow. on the racing. Nice. Yeah. Well, you recall she was the first woman to win a race right. at mm-hmm. Isle Man. Mm-hmm. So she is Miss Manx herself. I, I could see you doing color by the end of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. So that that's that, I'm really looking forward to meeting her. That's she's she's an icon. And so. fish and chips to your heart's content. So, um, oh yeah. Just remember, a traditional Irish greeting is "fuck off, you big bag of shite." <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yep. That, okay. And you can you, you can. Oh wait, Isle Man is part of Ireland or England? Well, no. you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of Irish people there oh. because the Manx GP is. I'm not gonna say he's dominated by Irish road racing, but it's an extremely popular right. uh, destination, um, and most of the greats of the Isle of Man were were from Ireland. I'm just so excited. Just I was been watching videos where you can just stand there like behind somebody's garden gate and just past you. It's crazy. Yeah. Also, you know, Ireland's part of Great Britain as well. You know, which one? Ireland? Yes. Part UK. Of, part of Britain. UK, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So. Thank you, everybody, for listening and staying with us. Thank you, especially to our our, our English uh, uh, friends who have been on the WhatsApp group and have been uh, advising Kat and I, and I'm hoping to meet a bunch of people. We're going to be posting where we're going and, and, and hoping to meet up with people along the way. So uh, no, it's, it's, it's nice to have misfits everywhere that we can reach be, out to. There are misfits throughout the world, let me tell you. There are. Um Yes. But have a great time. Be safe. Do a full report. Now, as far as um, the podcast goes, we are going to be doing podcasts in Liza's absence. Whether we'll have the same quality content, we'll find things to talk about. We'll find we? a couple things, yeah. Um, oh, next, we will find things to talk about. Next week. We'll talk is, about Liza. <laughs> yes, we can say bad things about Liza <laughs> exactly. behind her back because she'll never, she'll never hear this. Um, <laughs> Those are my favorite shows. Actually. What I can tell you is on September the 3rd, which is two weeks today, we will be doing a standalone show with commentary on the Castles and Curves tour. Yes. So we're going to have a couple of nice. guests on who actually rode the tour. We're going to have Mouse. 
is going to be our special guest. And so, Nancy, thank you for saying that you'll do it. And we'll do a standalone show, talk about the tour, talk about what our plans are, what went right, what went wrong, all the good stuff. And um, if you're thinking about doing signing up for it for 2024, listen in, not next week, the following week. And maybe I will... um kind of send some reports to you because I know everybody is wondering as am I is Cat the Big Spoon or Little Spoon so stay tuned I will find that Cat's out Cat's the Little Spoon I, <laughs> I could have told you that <laughs> alright well you'll you, find out in the uh, when you're in the UK I know that's what I'm saying yeah. I will I will give a report um, you guys ready to get out of here yeah, yeah. yeah. heads up on the flooding it's, it is flooding <laughs> down oh. in the desert now so oh, it's no. Borrego, oh, wow. Springs it's uh, flash oh, flooding oh and the hurricane did the hurricane hit ha- Southern California yeah it's douching that whole oh. area right now. oh and wow. we didn't even mention huh. you were in Maui the day before the fire yeah, I left Maui a day oh, day yeah. before the fires, and then Dude. yeah, I was just in San Diego that's getting flooded out right and, now. So it's you, Jim. And I think wow. it is. Before before we all say oh, yeah. goodbye, I just want to say one of the best things about owning your own bike shop is just having lovely visitors come by. And on Friday, Jim showed up oh, just completely nice. out of the blue mm-hmm. with pastries. Of course, uh, not pa- not pasties, pastries with pastries. <laughs> And I was stupidly busy, but I was yes. able to sit down for 45 minutes and chat. And it's yeah. just the greatest thing. You know, Jim, you don't even have to stop. You just roll down your window and yell out the car window. And that's that's the same thing. That's what you do. I know. Yeah, that's the Liza method. She, she won't even get out of the car. <laughs> no. She just pulls up, rolls out. Oi! Yeah. Oi! I have been traveling quite a bit. So, yeah, lots of traveling. Right. No moto camping, unfortunately. But that will change early November if anyone wants to go see the flooding. Yeah. We're going to go riding. And, uh... Um, if all things go right, sitting in my place, we may have knock. That's right. Yeah, you Really? Yes, yes. Got to pull in a heavy hitter when I'm gone. Cool. All right, let's get out of here. Thank you, everybody. This is Liza. It's John. Emma, darling. Cooper. Naked Jim, son. Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. <laughs>